Welcome back, everybody. It's episode four. How are we feeling? It's your buddy Darren Chris here with my gal pal, SD Hyam. And we're back. It's episode four. Darren, I miss you. I, I miss I miss you too. And we're so close to being back together in person. I know. Um, because we're both back in the same country, let alone the same state and the same city. But, you know, sometimes I think one of the great things from uh, the Zoom the Zoom era of COVID is that even though we're, we're in the same city, sometimes it is just more convenient not to leave the house. And here we are. Sometimes. We've done it. We've done it sometimes. before. But speaking of leaving the house, we are joined today for the first time with somebody in the house with you. And then we have a third party who is not in the metaphorical house of Haim. But uh, here we are now coming from the east side in the great words of William Shakespeare. Or was it Moby? I get confused. I love that song, by the way. Who's who's with you? you, That is a great song. That is a great tune. I, I forget when I make jokes like that. There's too many listeners that don't know like certain cultural references when i say by william shakespeare there was like a 0.2 percent of people that may have like looked up understood that say that i'm like yeah it's a it's a moby it's a moby song joint and if you if you don't know that song do yourself a favor look up moby featuring gwen stefani we love a song where you know what the next line is going to be do you know what I mean? Like when people count in songs, that's why people love counting songs. Yep. Because you know the lyrics or days of the week songs. Those are good. I love Craig David. I will go on the record and say that I love Craig David. That song, Seven Days I. is Fill Me In and Seven Days. Do you remember Fill Me In? Do you know that song? Well, Fill Me In was his hit in the UK that I think is actually... Arguably, I'd be curious to consult our UK betters because we're okay. all Anglophiles on this on this station. I yes. think Fill Me In was the biggest, quote, hit at the time, at least in the UK. But I know that uh, the Seven Days was the one that kind of crossed over to the States. But I, I could be totally wrong. I just know that one had more mileage uh. than the other. The reasons for which always blow my mind. That's just, this is its own discussion of like why certain songs hit. You guys know better than, better than anybody why for some reason there are bands and artists that just through, you call it marketing, call it taste, call it the wiring of our two cultures, even though we speak mm-hmm. the same fucking language, for some reason, some things just take off better or worse. We should probably introduce. I was going to say, let's, let's introduce. see who's here with us. They've been sitting quietly yeah. staring at me and I'm like, we gotta, I gotta bring oh, Yeah, because I feel like there needs to be, like, isn't there like a big reveal? I'm like trying to, I'm trying to help your podcast game, guys. You gotta do like a big reveal. Well, that you weren't it. even doing, but you weren't yeah, even doing a big reveal. You were chiming in. You were talking about Craig David I just now. I was talking about Craig David under my breath. But, I, was, but, I was saying jokes under my breath that really killed that I don't think anyone heard. But, I mean, I heard them. Well, well, we got to give them a go. We w- you want a big intro? Ladies and gentlemen, a Craig David joke by none other than the Alana. And now Danny has to come in with a joke, them. which is kind of unfair, but all right, hit I us. Can't, no, you I can't, can't put me wait, on the spot. Also, before we go any further, I don't know if Danielle still feels this way, but Danielle for a long time did not like being called Danny. Oh, yeah? We're both- Do you still feel this way, Danielle? Darren, you can call me anything you want. I love no, you. No, that's not fair. We're both we're both D names, so I'm yeah, also yeah, yeah. the resident D of my like crew. Right. So D recognize D. Yeah. Get called D. Does anyone call you D? Me. That's yeah. what he just said. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. That's what we call Danielle. We call Danielle D. Okay. I go well, D and the, E. To, to it gets very confusing. 
people. Danny, what would you prefer I call you? D or Danielle? Maybe just Danielle. Honestly, Danny, it doesn't bother me anymore. I think when I was a kid, for some reason, it just bothered me. But I'm I'm like okay Danielle. with it now. No, Danielle. Let's, Danielle let's, let's it is. Let's keep it Danielle. Keep it simple. That's easy. Love it. Um, it's so really, it's really great God to be SD, on really the just podcast. I know, making of, me some friends out here. From the, I'm, I'm looking out for you. I'm being the, the like typical what older sister. I, I don't. I didn't. It doesn't bother me. All right, Darren. I'm taking Can't over this podcast. <laughs> I'm taking over this podcast. Is this what Heim time is? This is this is a lot the, for me. Well, to be fair, I feel like Heim time. I talk the most. I'm. I feel like now I'm. I'm SD. This is SD show. We're we're being very. We're on our best behavior because this is. Yours an SD show. Yeah. Bestie behavior. behavior, Don't get me fired. Just don't get me fired, guys. This is also the first time we're having officially not only all of the band that does makeup Haim. This is the first time we've had a guest that is more than one. This is a group guest. So this is kind of an interesting thing because we have a couple different voices going back and forth. I don't know how our listeners are going to be able to discern because you guys are of the same flesh and blood. So there's an inevitable uh, uh, timber that is going to be the same. The waveforms are going to be somewhat similar. So for people listening, I don't know, maybe we'll put like octaves on you guys or something just to like Can you just lower designate. my voice? Can you just like make yeah. my voice super low? Yeah, so you just like a murder voice. Yeah. Alana's the murder voice. Danny's I'm like the really the, low uh, one. Danielle's like uh, like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Danielle's, yeah, yeah. Danielle's voice oh. can be Alvin and Chipmunks. And then SC's can just be the same. Or just really high. Like, Darren, you can't call. Wow, you, you're doing that naturally. That's not with any. That's uh, not true. There's no plugins on that one. That's pretty. That's pretty good. People are gonna love that. People, I think people are. That's really gonna. It's gonna sound really nice coming out of people's speakers when they're driving in the car on the way to work. Oh, that sounds like personal hell to me. Um, guys, I have so <laughs> many questions. So many questions. Okay, first I'm of ready. all. First of all, when I, now I guess this is just me interviewing Haim. This is great. This is I'm down. Through, Let's do it. Well, no, I think I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm. I'm probably going to learn something new about my sisters as well. That I'm must happen on all it. the time when you guys are doing interviews because me, when I'm on the other side of a press line and it is just me, I can kind of, you know, I mean, you guys must feel this way all the time because they're not going to isolate each one of you. Maybe they'll try and do it out of politeness. Like you do this. What do you think about this? But when they interview three of you, you know, you guys kind of have to collectively hive mind answers does this drive you guys nuts sometimes or does it it, like basically what i'm doing right now no no i mean i just i don't i don't know i just i'm we don't really think about it you just took the microphone out of my hand (laughs) there you go case in point you have to like agree immediately where i'm sure (laughs) things are revealed when you're answering questions you're like i didn't know that because like i mean i think it's no i think it's no secret that like danielle doesn't really i feel like we're ragging on danielle already i don't mean to rag on you but danielle doesn't really talk but i was just being i was just trying to be protective of you stop picking on me that's all I think I'm sorry, I think Danielle. everybody knows being the quiet riot in the band is not only tantamount to the success of the band; it's also like prerequisite. So, someone, it's, <laughs> it's the Lord's a, work. It's definitely Danielle. better than being like the annoying younger sister, which is my stereotype. <laughs> which you are. So I totally am. I'm or kidding. I, I winked when I said that. I'm not a jerk. <laughs> um, but I know. I mean, I feel like yeah. Let's 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 answer some questions. I'm excited to hear what questions you have for us. Okay, so you guys, you know, much to I'm sure the disappointment of our listeners, especially the Haim fans. Um, 
I just assumed, or maybe they assumed, you know, they have like content houses, like these TikTok houses live together. When I was a kid, I grew yeah. up, I, I loved the movie Help as a big Beatles fan. I watched it every day for my birthday. And in that movie, all the Beatles lived together in this really long, like, um, it was like a muse house in, in, yeah. uh, in London. And each door, which looked like four different houses, actually went to the same house and they lived together in this house. And I always thought that was super cool that if when I was older and I was in a band, surely I would live and hang out with my bandmates. But I guess you guys did that your whole life. So I guess this is a good yes. point because you did it and then you got to be your own women in your own life, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I... Danielle was the first one to leave the hive because Essie went to college in LA. Danielle That's spelled left- H-A-I-V-E, right? Yes. Hive. Um, But Danielle went on, I mean, Danielle, I'm speaking for you. Danielle went on tour when she was 19. So she left. Danielle, would you like to continue? Would you like to elaborate? No, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're just, just keep going. (laughs) I'm being nice. Anyway, so Danielle left. And I think once Danielle left and like what, like came home and kind of was like, there is life outside of the valley and, you know, you're going to be okay. I feel like that kind of gave me confidence to leave also after our first tour i came home and lived with my parents and it was how old were you not, Alana? i was like 21 because i That's left like for fair. tour when i was 20 and um we were gone for like a year and then i came home it was like i think i was maybe almost about to turn 22 and um i was like living with my parents and the the same rules that I had when I was like 15 applied when I was 22. Yep. And I was like, oh, I'm an, I'm a full-blown adult that's like been by herself. Well, with Essie and Danielle touring the world at this point. And then I came home and it was like my curfew was midnight, yep. which, which ruled for a 22-year-old. <laughs> it's just a great time. And at midnight, my parents would call me and be like, where are you? And I was like, oh, my God. So then I ended up moving out down the street from my parents because I didn't want to leave the valley. And then <laughs> one day, I think I've told, I forget, I've told, definitely told you guys this story before, but like one day I was like super hungover and my parents, because I didn't pick up my phone, I think I like had woken up at like one in the afternoon as like a, you know, young 20 year old would. And I was super hungover and I was like eating Fruit Loops or some shit. I don't know. I was like eating some fucking cereal. That's acceptable. Fruit Loops is acceptable. Yeah, like watching some sort of cartoon probably. And um, my parents just walked into my apartment. They just like opened the door. They had the key to my apartment and walked in. And I was like, thank, I could have been doing so much more crazy shit. (laughs) Thank God I was sitting on my couch eating fucking Fruit Loops. Thank God. I feel like that. If I was a parent, I'd be like, "This is staged. What's with the, what's with the <laughs> yeah? The like, cartoon? what are you hiding? No, yeah. it's called. I'm I'm three years old. Like, I love watching cartoons and eating Fruit Loops. That's just me. Yeah, um, but then I was bad. like, okay, I need to leave. So yeah, to your that's a very long answer to yeah, we don't live together. I mean, that is that is the kind of age. I feel like even if you do the cookie cutter college thing, there is a point where if you graduate around anywhere from twenty one to twenty two years old. Before you, you know, maybe get off your, get your own place where you move out of the city or whatever it is, there is that sort of purgatory zone where you do. I I remember like graduating and like having this whole life planned of like, I was going to move to LA, I was going to move to New York. And yeah, I was at home and it was weird because I would be like, 
But I'm like a big kid, and I would want to yeah. go to bars and stuff. But I also, I don't want to like, piss I my parents off. Totally. Yeah. No, I would never want to piss my parents. Also, my parents are the best parents of all time, but they were like super strict growing up. But like, I mean, something worked. I don't know. I still. That's like a huge. That's like a huge trend, though. Like with the with the pandemic, though. Not trend, but that's like what I feel like a lot of people have been just a like lot moving of, home. Yeah, a I lot wonder, of post grad seen. You I'm know, sure yeah, seniors. Yeah, a lot of stories to be told. Honestly, I I'm, I kind of miss living with my parents now because. I like my mom used to make me fun snacks and love me all the time. And I don't have that anymore. I have, I have my, I live on you my gotta own. You rough it out here like the rest of us buying I our know. own snacks. I miss Doing our mom. own laundry. <laughs> like the savages we are. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, did everybody hear, I said postgrad, I meant undergrad. Recent undergrads have also been like starting their, you know, their millennial whatevers, or I guess Gen Z whatevers from their like, your parents you know from their parents houses yes did everybody here go to college other than Esty? yeah Esty went to college Esty went to ucla i went to valley college which is a great community college in Same. the valley the reason why i ask is because because you guys went on tour relatively quickly i remember right like i i, I know you guys have told I the story did. quite a bit so yeah i, I, I go into I, it. like alana said i went on tour um in this guy Michael Runyon's band who opened up for Jenny Lewis and I went on that tour and and we were huge I feel like have you guys talked about Marlo Kylie at all or Jenny Lewis I don't know for our listeners who aren't necessarily like dialed into I don't know early 2000s or Los Angeles music of kind of the Mount Rushmore of the noughties early noughties especially Los Angeles scenes I would put Rilo Kylie pretty high up and and I think the contributors to anybody our age um, who were like totally. into playing music, especially for women, and I and I feel like Jenny Lewis, who's the front woman songwriter for for Rilo Kylie, you guys had an in with her pretty early on before you started sort of taking off as a band, and I know she was pretty pivotal in getting you guys involved in a lot of shit. Or correct me, I don't know if that's true, but how how does one go to community college and suddenly find herself playing? adjacent to Rilo Kylie. Yeah. I was at, um, I, there was this free night, um, at Spaceland, which is now the satellite. The satellite, the satellite yeah. I, I, th- I hope it's still open, but it was a it free is. night every Monday. And Jenny's boyfriend at the time, Jonathan Rice was playing like, I think a residency. And so I went with my friend Savannah and we Just ended up, just as fans. Yeah. Cause it was free. So I was like, great. I don't, you know, usually it was like 10 bucks or something. And I, I was going to community college and I was, a, I was a, the shoe girl at American rag. I sold shoes. So I was like, let's go. Like, let's, you know, it was like $2 beer too. So I was like, great. Like we'll grab some beers and see a free show. And we happened to like kind of make friends with like, started talking to this guy, Michael Runyon, who, we had met before, but like, not like just in passing. And he, we started talking and he was like, Oh, I'm actually going on tour with Jenny Lewis. Like my friend, Jenny Lewis, I'm opening up for her and my drummer can't go. Do you, cause he knew that I was a musician. He's like, do you play drums? And I was like, uh, even though it wasn't my main instrument, our dad's a drummer and I hadn't really played drums that much, you know, but I just like my weird, like, 
inner voice was like, just say yes, just do it. So yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah I play drums, you know. When they ask young actors, can you ride a horse? You're like, ride them. I'd read them, of course. And then you exactly. go, say, you're like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to ride a horse. So, Wait, I so this said, guy yeah. asks you point blank, uh, you know, at this show, you meet for the first time and you just, I don't know, chat or just starting a conversation. He's like, I mean, this, this is almost seems too, talk about suspicious this is like one of these fantasies that i used to have when i would go see bands and it's like right. oh no billy joe armstrong has uh, broken his hand like in fucking back to the future <laughs> can, like, anyone can, any, play? can anybody play and i go i could do it and then i joined <laughs> green day for the next 15 years of my life like that's the shit i used to fantasize about so you're telling me <laughs> that this guy's yeah, like it was so hey, random we need a drummer and you were just there you're that yeah. piece of shit that and got I was that like, fantasy mm-hmm. yeah i was yes. like yeah i do play drums and he was like oh my gosh wow. well we're going on tour in like 10 days do you want to go was and there I any was audition like, process any checks and balances yeah here? i played he like came over to my house and like we kind of jammed a bit and he was like great you you got the you got the job and i was like holy shit so i had to like tell all of my professors because i was going to be gone for like i think i was going to be gone for like three weeks so I told my professors and then I quit my job at American rat cause they weren't going to let me go. Yeah. And I went and I, and I, I, we opened for her and I was like such a huge fan and I'll never forget on the first night there was, we were like first of three and then there was another band after us. And then it was Jenny and I like found my, this is so creepy, but like, I just was like found myself side stage and Jenny was like right next to me, like looking at the next band, like the, the one right before her, we were all just kind of like, and I was like, oh my God, that's Jenny Lewis. I can't believe it. And we ended up kind of like, you know, just saying hi here and there throughout the whole tour. And then, you know, kind of became friendly. And she's, again, like she was, we were such huge, huge fans of hers growing up. So it was a big deal for me. And then when it came time for her to do her next tour a couple months later, she actually asked me to, to be her guitarist, which was huge. And that kind of started... Then I toured with her for like a, a couple months and that was my like first official like gig as a guitarist, as like, um, yeah, as like a backup guitarist. Wow. God, Jenny I Lewis know. of the Jenny Lewis of, uh, Beverly Hills, true Beverly Hills. I mean, like she's a big deal guys. I forget. Yeah, character's she's name the biggest it. deal. I also know. for the record, I'm sort of just to really bring it full circle. That's what happened to Guy Patterson in that thing you do. That That's I was right. Just about to say that thing you do. I was just. You're totally right. <laughs> I'm That's why it seems you, like such a cliche in my, my brain pod- because it's like I'm, a trope. I'm off my podcast game. I'm so off my podcast game. I was literally <laughs> yeah, about to say it's like that thing you do, and then I was like, "Don't say it. Don't say that. That's embarrassing." That don't be embarrassing, Alana. Don't worry. I no, said you it, nailed it, and I am embarrassing, and the that's high, okay. The high mind did its thing, and by the tra- you guys are next to each other, so the the airwaves, the brain yes. waves were were tr- bluetoothed into each other. Yeah. This is something that I think is so marvelous that I'm sure you guys would talk about all the time, for better or for worse, and I think for most of it is is for the better, is you know being women in a music community. So I've never been lucky enough to uh, to be a woman, but I've always really admired the way that there is this like, come here kid, I got you kind of club. Like, all right, like we're gonna look out for each other. We're gonna really try and keep this keep this going and keep our 
keep our power and our support system. And it sounds like Jenny kind of had that. I can only imagine, yes, being, you know, herself. Absolutely. She was the young 100%. buck kid. And so she was, so she really probably responded to you in a way that you probably didn't even think of at the time. Cause you're just like a fangirl, but like, you know, like how often is she going to be on tour? Like, Oh shit. Cool. The drummer's like, a, like this cool chick drummer from LA. She's like me. Like I want, you know, she, she probably, she probably sees a lot of herself in you guys. Well, she always like, she, yeah, first of all, yes. Like she's always, um, brought girls on tour. Like the drummer on the tour that I was on was Barbara Greska. Who's like, my favorite drummer she's incredible she's an also like an la girl and yeah Wait, i think even like of ethan Gr- ethan gruska yes ethan yes. gruska's sister uh, wait how do you know ethan darren's a big ethan fan are you he doesn't understand okay you didn't see what i just did i just kind of melted a little bit so a lot of my conversation with sd has to do with my obsession of la songwriter musician producer culture and what i'm finding is that not only does sd work with these fucking people that you all grew up together and it drives me mad i'm about to blow your mind i fucking dated ethan ethan was my first boyfriend i think that's what that's what sd told me i I had a similar reaction yeah Yeah, he was like by far the best boyfriend i ever had like he was the nicest on the record wow on the record i've said it a million times he's like the only boyfriend that ever treated me like with the best respect. with respect i i mean let me tell you i'd love to have him on the show and he's gonna be like yeah oh S- my god S- 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 alana really treated me like shit oh my god you know? no 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 no. it was great i'm so happy for him he is honestly one of the most talented people of all time and he's wait and i'm gonna so blow your mind i'm gonna blow your mind again okay let Ethan. me put on some no, no, no. Ethan actually sold. <laughs> Ethan sold merch on the Jenny Lewis tour that I was on, and that's, that's how I met incredible. him. That's and how that's Alana, Alana met him. him. For our listeners that don't know who Ethan Gresker is, um, he is Go a phenomenally talented singer songwriter in his own right. His music is fantastic. He has um, the record that he put about two, two, three years ago. I forget what's the one that opens with the Valley. That song is outstanding. He's just an outstanding songwriter, but. He's been producing for a lot of artists. He did the Bridgers record. I think did he do did he did he do anything on your guys' last one? He didn't. He's never worked with you with us before. I mean, I would no. love to. It would be so funny. We haven't. I haven't seen him in a long time. I mean, we dated when I was seventeen. That was my first yeah. boyfriend ever. Like so, I'm. I'm no, but I feel like it was like 30. Barbara. Barbara and, and I. Yeah. Um, I feel like we kind of conspired to set up our younger siblings on that tour LA musician mafia even some more la folklore oh so God, barbara went to cal arts and i was dating someone at the time that knew barbara from cal arts who was like you have to see this drummer she's amazing this was like in 2007 and i found a vlog like she had a vlog wow and I was the creepy, obsessed person that was, like, obsessed with this girl that I did not know, that I had never met before, and her name was Barbara Greska. And I didn't know any, I didn't know her, but I was a big fan of hers. And then when Danielle went on tour with Jenny, and I was like, oh, my God, you're going on tour with Barbara Greska? She's this incredible. Is, this is so amazing. This brings up something that I, I know I keep hunting away at the L.A. music scene. And I think I get really upset when people say things like, oh, well, you know, that's what happens when you're from L.A. And I'm like, you have to understand that if we lived in a coal mining town, right, like like our parents, our peers, everything that we did in school, 
everything around us would be kind of geared towards the system of running a coal mining town. Like people would be selling pickaxes. Totally. We'd be knowing totally. how to do shit. And that's something that I really admire. Again, not being from Los Angeles, not too far away, but far enough to where I'm not like in the sort of in the center of like the egg, as it were. That's not a fucking expression. But there's like so many musicians, just the fact that they're like, yeah, and I grew up with this person and, you know, I don't know how old Barbara was when she was doing these vlogs, but like this was a viable like trade, you know, like it goes beyond a hobby. It's like I'm in an ecosystem where if like I keep playing and I keep shedding, I keep smashing it, like I'll be on tour and I'll be making records, I'll be doing sessions and I'll be fucking a I mean, professional it, it, musician, yes. like a tradesman. It, and I think it's so cool. Bed. A lot of it was just going, you know, for us, it was just like opening up for anyone that we could open up for That's going true. out to shows. Like I said, going to the free, I mean, like the, the free Monday night, like, you know, venue, like it was like all on the East side, like every Monday, it was like every venue was free, just like constantly going out, constantly trying to like, you know, try to meet other people who played music. That was kind of what you know what's we sad did. that I found out today. Did you know that the bootleg is closing? No, I just way, saw really? that. I just saw that. Another one bites the dust. Oh, Damn, it's so sad. Shows there. Wait, can I tell you? Like, actually, the like to actually bring this full fucking circle. It's in, this is like the most. Insane. I don't know if I've ever said this story before. I don't know what? if I have. See, I might I'm have. new stuff. This I'm, is I a bad thing. That thing I do exclusive. Go for it. I might us. have, but I'm not sure. So, like, I like a hundred percent believe in signs. Like, I feel like you know, like my ancestors send me signs all the time. You just have to like listen. You're the first Jewish girl to ever tell me this. Go on. I know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you want me to tell this story, Darren? I do. Do you want me to tell this story? Absolutely. Okay, I, that was okay. a compliment. Thank you. Oh, me. Thank you. Anyways, so when we played the Fillmore in, in San Francisco, which is like one of the best venues of all time, like super fucking iconic. Sorry, I keep saying the F word. Sorry to your producer. That's going to have to bleep me out. Fuck, Sorry. fuck, 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 fuck. Um, but the Fillmore is super duper um iconic i mean everyone's played there and i remember it was a big deal for us to play there on our first show i uh, not, not our first show on our first tour in america and we had played the fillmore with julian casablancas like opening for him and that was a huge deal so like playing it on our own as Haim was like this big like oh my god moment like holy crap and the venue was closed we had just done sound check i really needed to pee and the backstage bathroom was locked because someone was in there. And I was like, cool, I'll just go into, you know, the front of house bathroom. Like, it's fine. I'll just go to, like, the venue's not open. So I go to, like, this big bathroom. has, like, a million stalls. No one is in there. Again, the venue was closed. There is no it one was, here. It like, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. We had just finished Yeah, soundtrack. it's too early for the film. I pee, as you do, in the bathroom. And I come out, and I'm washing my hands. And on the soap dispenser... In this bathroom was a crisp, crisp, pristine, pristine, crisp ticket from Ticketmaster, crisp, from a Rilo Kylie show that had happened 10 to 12 years before that day. And it wow. was just on sitting there, the soap dispenser. And I was like, what? I have it. It's at my parents' house. Nice. But I was like, What? I was like, this is so weird. And then I asked Jenny about it. I was like, do you remember playing the Fillmore? And she was as Rilo Kylie. And she was like, dude, that was so long ago. And I told her the story and she was like f super freaked out. But isn't that weird? 
I've never been able to explain How it. How did that happen? I've never why been able to explain it. Why did that happen? I don't know why it happened. It's so specific to my life. It was the it's gods crazy. of the Fillmore just reminding you where Fillmore. you came from. 100%. You know, just getting you in touch. That's my venue, guys. Like, I grew up, that was my. Oh, like, yeah, it's from San Francisco. It's such yeah. a good venue. It's such a great. I'm sure you saw so many cool shows there. I very well may have been at that Rilo Kylie show. At that show. Rilo recall, Kylie show? I recall Darren, seeing them somewhere else. did you put that else. ticket there? I know. Did you put the ticket there? <laughs> Guys, okay, sorry. I'm going to reveal it. This is the long con of my life. <laughs> this has all been a ruse You're just like, so I could get to this point in this oh podcast with you guys on the horn telling you about how I left this ticket and I just prayed nobody would that touch it. We would talk about that. We would have a podcast and I would be able to talk about it. Oh, man. I'd like to think that was my ticket. Let's not let the truth get in the way of a good story. You know, now that my memory is uh, being very flexible, I do recall uh, just placing a. a Placing gingerly right gingerly placing it on a soap dispenser on a soap, it's so weird yeah. I honestly it's the craziest story of my life and it was on our first tour wow. on, on like the days are gone tour I think it means we're on the right path I think exactly. that was our ancestors way of saying yeah, like, that you is, guys are on the right path there is something really nice about that I love that is a beautiful full circle moment and not to mention the connection to me I mean Fillmore was sort of like my um I mean, you, you, we, we both grew up in cities with iconic venues, so we definitely saw a lot of bands that we loved. Clearly, we all went out to see music because we wanted to be a part of it in some way. For me in L.A., when I graduated, no, it was before my senior year, I came out to L.A. for like the first time as like a somewhat conscious adult. Now it seems funny because I was, you know, barely like 20. But I, uh, I went to the famed Hotel Cafe. And this is 2000, oh, yeah. God, 2007 or eight. And oh, we was probably so we were there. there. We were probably yeah, there. Yeah, we played yeah. there. I was there to meet a couple of friends of mine that I had met through MySpace. Uh, nice. Love. Uh, you got to come. This is where singer songwriters go. And like Sarah Burrells was at the bar. And at this at this point in time, Sarah was kind of like the the template, the, oh my God, songwriter, LA chick, UCLA, like acapella turned, she, you know, she, she crossed over from this sort of hotel right. cafe like ecosystem to like the mainstream. And uh, I remember seeing her there and be like, all right, that's it. Fuck it. Coming to LA. Want to hang out with Sarah Ross <laughs> in, a, in a, in a bar. Like this is amazing. So I totally she seems know that. So sweet and nice. Yeah. She's the, yeah, now. she's so nice. And yeah, we played so many shows at Hotel Cafe. I know. And, and a sure. lot of them were when I was so underage. I would have to stand outside and wait until our time slot. And then they would let me go in. That same thing happened at the satellite. Like when we played, uh, the satellite. What was yeah, it? What used to be the called? Satellite. But what did it used to be called? Spaceland. They would make me wait outside until our time, and then I would go in play. and play, and then wow. I would have to leave immediately after. I mean, rock you guys are rock and rollers. This is how it works. I'm going to ask about the touring thing really quick. I want to give my quick Cerberella story that I forgot because this was Please kind do. of my mini sign. Yeah. Is that I was visiting my friends who were in uh, who were at UCLA because I had uh, my school year uh, ended a little earlier than theirs, so I would always come back to California and the UCs would still be going. And so I'd go visit, because it was either that or being at home, <laughs> Alana, you know, when you're <laughs> exactly. in that, cross, I get in that it. crossover. So that. You, yeah, so you want to like go out and still kind of maintain this college life, but like at home. So anyway, I come back to California and I go visit my friends and they were in Awaken, the acapella group that she was in, and they were kind of clearing out a lot of old papers and I was helping her move these boxes. Uh, or it's just I don't know what she was doing with them. But I found Sarah fucking Borellis's audition sheet no for way. Awaken. And this is also like no. again, this is two thousand eight or something. So she, you know, she's fucking. She's still a Sarah Borellis, but at this time, 
you know, it was extra sensitive. Like, oh my God, like I just bought a new record. Like, what the fuck? And uh, it's so endearing and cute. And like the cute little letter is like age, like sophomore, like highest note. Like I, she writes all these cute little jokes. Like, I don't know. It depends what day it is. Ha ha. Like smiley Aww. face stars. And and it's just so endearing. And I'm like, I'm reading the the childish like musings of like a like a master artist (laughs) and i took a picture of it and i recently found it during the pandemic because i was going through all my photos from the past like 15 years of my life and i found a photo of it because i didn't keep it and i sent it to fucking sarah borellis and she was like wow this is so nice that is a full circle moment if i've ever heard one yeah i love that i mean we I, I always tell people I've I've spent and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. I've spent a lifetime chasing my heroes. And I think the thing about you meeting and eventually playing for Jenny Lewis, Danielle, is that, you know, I always say idiomatically, like, oh, I can't believe it. But like also, of course I can believe it, because there is something about I'll just use Jenny as an example. Something about her that gravitates you to her. So you do a certain thing amount of things in your life that you know, are in an effort to maybe be in her presence. So it stands to reason that when you get there, you're like, yeah, this, this is, uh, this is right. You know, yeah. like just be a creep and go to her like boyfriend's yeah. free show. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll ask you to play. I like the, the alternate universe where he, where you played music and you just sucked ass. He's like, yeah, <laughs> play some music for me. And you just have to like, you don't know what it's you're like doing. Like shreds. I didn't just, know what I was yeah, doing. Yeah, the it's shreds. shreds. Video. I could, it's just shreds. I could play. I could play just enough drums to like kind of just, you know, get by. Well, here's the question about touring, guys, because I'd like to again give our listeners a chance to really kind of know the inside of things. I think when we're talking about tours, we're talking about. You know, the songs are playing and the vibe we're going for. And oh, it's going to be a lot of lights and so-and-so is, is opening for us. Or this time we've got like a six piece or whatever. And you're talking about the kind of mechanics of the performance. But I think as you guys very well know, so much of the mechanics of touring is 90% of the shit is the stuff people do not see. And the, and the kind of slog of what it can be. SC and I have talked about this. We enjoy touring. A lot of bands, a lot of artists, it's a drag for them. And that's just, people are built differently. It's, there's not like a prerequisite for either way. But my question for you guys, because you started touring so early, is it something that you, like, what have you learned over the years or things that you had to learn? Because, you know, hey, do you want to come on tour? 10 days. Okay, you got to rehearse. You go and suddenly you're like, fuck, I better like shed. I got to like not suck at the drum. There's so many things that you learn only from going on the road and playing the same show-ish, you know, give or take every night. So my question to you guys is, you know, it sounds like you all kind of got thrust into the touring thing before you were thrust into being recording artists, which is which are two different animals. So um, I don't know, Danielle, I'll start with you. Like, you know, when you're on this, do you remember being like, I'm out of my depth or like, I know what I'm doing? Or like knowing your way around the pedal board and setting up your shit and taking, you know, like all this stuff. Was this stuff that was new or was this stuff that you were like, I got like. No, I mean, we were, we've been playing music with our parents and playing gigs since we were like kids. So if anything, like before we even wrote a song, I know our parents weren't songwriters. They just loved music. So 
I'm sure as you've talked about our family band Rockenheim already, or have you not? I'm waiting for the reunion. Not as okay. much. <laughs> not as much. There will be. Well, there always you know, is. it was basically it was. I feel like it was our parents' way of spending time with us, like you know, spending quality time with us over the weekend. You know, instead of like going to I don't even know, like going to play you know sports or something in the park or whatever. It was like no, we're gonna sit down and like learn some covers and and play them in the living room and then like you know that was kind of our quality time as kids so and then we would have a couple shows per year and you know we would like our dad would drill you know our dad was very much into you know practice makes perfect so there was definitely like every weekend there was at least two hours set aside like we have to practice for our gig in two months <laughs> we'd be like what, what? He's like you have to practice like practice you know practice makes perfect so you know by the time it came to us actually writing songs which was when i was going to community college right out of high school in 2007 before we even had a recording you know we were just playing shows like i said before just you know we probably you know we played a couple times a month you know at the hotel cafe at satellite just anyone who would have us you know we would you know play a show so before we had again our, our problem was that we couldn't understand how to record music that was like a huge learning curve for us we you know i think it was confusing watching all of these old like you know documentaries and and watching you know like people in the studio and everyone's just set up live and not understanding that it's you don't just set up and play in a room like there's a there's a whole art to engineering and to the art yeah. of recording recording, yeah. <laughs> recording these instruments it's not if you just stick a mic in the middle of the room it's not going to sound like the way that it sounds in the room it's just not going to sound that way and it's and, not and that's, gonna that's something that i think people don't really understand you guys are an artifact of um i think not artifact i should say we're you're an anomaly to how most music is produced nowadays i think you know as early as i would say starting maybe 10 and some a little less than 10 years ago that paradigm sort of switched upside down where it was for many decades throughout you know i would say basically until the, somewhere in the 2000s like if you were a band you were a band and you played shows and then an A&R guy came in a la that thing you you know somebody went hey you guys got it let's exactly. make a record of which this is what thing. i thought it was gonna be like that we right. thought, I thought that, that, that it was, was real like, we so what that, was yeah. so what was that moment for Hyam collectively because i know you guys were touring and doing different stuff but when we did weren't you touring decide? we weren't touring we were just playing in la like we could never get out of yeah. la so like touring didn't happen until really it was like so we had we had started our band in 2007 and I mean, in that, in the next, I think, how many years? When did we get, we got signed in 2013? No, 2012. 12. 12. Who Tom Hanks this? Who, who from Columbia? From, so like, this who, is what happened. Who? So basically, so from 2007 to 2011, we basically played in LA. Like we try, I mean, Danielle was also on tour. So like when she would come home, we would try to play as many gigs. As I was can. on we would, tour, but my sisters were never on we tour. Were, I was, I was on in tour. high school. I was like in yeah. high school. Essie was, was in college. Every time Danielle would come home from tour, it would be like Let's water world. Yeah, it would be like, there would, is dry land. It would literally be like, there's water, <laughs> like water world style. Like she would like tell us the stories of the road and like tell us all these things. And, and then wow. we would just still play shows in LA we play like the Troubadour we play the bootleg we play the satellite we play echo the echo the echoplex like was this anyone in, that we in, could in hopes of getting you know because this yeah. at this point and the indie artist signed. thing doesn't really have I the same thing I thought that this thing. guy with a, like a 
Yeah, Playboy. I thought this guy with a cigar. I thought this like mythological character with a cigar and, and, a, a, and contract. a contract was going to come to yeah. one of our shows and be like, you, "Don't, okay. don't even look at it. Just sign it." And I would have been like, "Cool, like, yeah, okay. let's go, yeah, yeah." Like, <laughs> I've seen sign. this movie. Yes, I've seen this movie, and it always ends up right, right? Yeah. Like, it always ends up <laughs> going well. But that never happened. It really never happened. And so then, after we so had- basically after I went on tour, so I I toured with from the from the Jenny tour i ended up getting this julian casablanca's tour because they had the same manager at the time and who was also i was also like a huge strokes fan and i've talked about it a lot that i was like basically got to go on tour with my my two favorite artists ever people can listen to the other interviews you've done plenty of interviews yeah. on it you just look it up guys just google julian casablanca's <laughs> daniel heim but continue it's there yeah no i it's there but yeah again like learned so much from him but i remember kind of you know a few times being like so i i I would ask him how he recorded you know is this it which was my favorite one of my you know my favorite albums of all time and also the first time i think i listened to the strokes it was i think the first time i realized production or something like music production because i was like oh my god wait it sounds like lo-fi but it also sounds like, I don't know. I just remember being like, you know, I think cause I was like in this rut of list, you know, watching MTV and I obviously like loved like Neptune's production, but I never thought that I could make music. That's not like the Neptunes or something. But, but I remember listening to like rock music and like new metal and like Limp Bizkit and corn. And then I remember hearing the strokes and be like, Oh my God, wait, this sounds like the stuff that I love from like the seventies, but it's new and the songwriting is amazing. And I think that was like the first time I understood like, Whoa, like the drums can sound roomy and kind of like not every Tom has to be mic'd or whatever. Like I just remember like as a 14 or 15 year old being like, wait, why does this sound different? But I never understood how to do that. Anyway, I I remember remember asking. Yeah. I remember asking Julian, like, how did you like do that? He's like, Cause in my mind, I was like, Oh, it was probably so easy for like, in my mind, I was just like, Oh, like they probably just set up in a room too. And like, just, it was their mics or whatever. But he, I remember him telling me like, no, like we, cause I told him like every time we go into the studio, like we can't get a good recording. It just sounds slick. And it sounds like, you know, I don't know what to ask for. And Anyway, he was like, no, we went through the same thing. And like, I had to find the right guy and I had to, you know, figure out how to mic everything. Like it was, it was like a labored, labor intensive thing. But in my mind, hearing that was like, oh shit, it takes more than just rehearsing your ass off for like three months to get into the studio. It's like, it's not that it's not just killing at your instrument. It's like, you know, making sure that the parts are right and that it sounds right in the room. I don't know. Does that make any sense? No, of course. I think something that people don't really understand about the transferability of the way music is written to the way it's received is it really does take uh, a midwife that does understand the the difference between people's ears and the artist's brain. I mean, people are prolific for this. I mean, if you think of the fucking, you know, I mean, God, uh, uh, Rick Rubens of the world and people who have their own methodology to kind of bring the two together. Cause it's weird. I remember asking Esty or maybe, I don't, maybe one of you, one of you guys must have told me at some point that there was a period of time, Alana, you mentioned this, that you'd been playing 
for a significant amount of time and you had the songs and you had what is the Days Are Gone EP, but you had been re-recording it several times, right? I yeah, think, we, yeah. And, we it's, had... and it's really hard to find that person that goes, okay, I think I know, because if you don't have the the sort of nomenclature to kind of articulate what the differences between an over, overdriven vocals and I, I like the drums to be kind of edgy and they're like, okay, well, what do you mean? Like, what, do you want like a seventies kit? Like right. you don't know how to like say Well, actually like things. that, the thing that actually changed, I think all of our lives was getting garage band because everything is labeled uh, and you yeah. can kind of play around with yeah, everything. That was the big, that was the big aha moment. Cause you know, for, I think four years we were saving up all of our money to go into like a really nice studio for like one day and to that's like that's what bang you did. You need money songs. for a studio, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was yeah. the only way to get the fat guy with the cigar to give you the piece of paper yeah. to yeah. take your life was away. To, yes. was, yeah, to like exactly. get your shit to on. Uh, that's what we thought. Again, you you know, home recording was a thing. We just didn't know how to do it. You know, we just thought you go into a nice studio, we mic it up, and we, they'll do it for we, you. We play. We rehearse for three months before, and then we fucking play our fucking hearts out in the room, do a couple takes of each song, and we're going to get our demo, and we're going to, like, put yeah. it on MySpace, <laughs> and it's going to, like, we're going to get, again, like, we went through that, like, once a year for four years, and every time we were like, why, you know, we would come out with this really awful sounding thing and not understand why. Again, we had, like, no fucking idea. So it wasn't until I got, a like, a, a, a laptop with GarageBand on it where I was like, oh, I can like mess around with these sounds like, and I'm not having to be in like a studio for a day where we're, wait, we're spending all of our money and I can just like plug in my guitar and put all these effects on it. And then also my voice and I can put effects in my voice and see, yeah, like just everything in the box was like so eye-opening. It, it, it probably sounds so dumb for like, you know, to kids now or something. I just... But it was like such a, such a freeing. Well, you're literally experience. saying the timeline that I was kind of drawing out. There was a period where it shifted from artists needing a studio to kind of facilitate the kind of capturing of their thing to go out, and it kind of shifted once digital audio systems uh, and and interfaces became a thing, and not not only a thing, but like an affordable, accessible, affordable thing, thing. to like totally. kids, where suddenly you could go, oh fuck, like I can mess with this, and then that becomes your demo, and you take out a middleman and a really expensive, impractical, exactly like, obstacle to the next step, and that is around the time where nowadays most people who are assigned in any medium of music are usually writer producers. And there's a whole number of them that you guys know and have worked with that. They just fucking do it. And it's, and it really, yeah. So that was when it changed for you guys. I would yeah, love totally. to hear those original versions of no, those. No, you wouldn't. Like, oh, buried, oh I'm buried dying. in my parents' yard. And I we want them. those NFTs. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not, Darren. What's Chris. the worst one? They, What's the one? They that will makes never you see hardest? the light of day. We recorded the wire like maybe seventy over, times, like, like so many times. What does it sound like? Give me a song that you like when you hear it. You think go, of oh, like a slick. Sound- think of like the slickest drum production with like you know like a dw drum kit like with it's a really shiny like, <laughs> yes. shiny with Slickest, like a kick shiniest. like a knock like a kick that sounds like a knock like a like a dinky yeah it's just it's just bad like there's just it's just it can you're only selling so it wrong. i feel like time enough time <laughs> may have gone by to where it'll be cool 
You it's know? definitely like, maybe. like on. It's definitely like on my like mom's old computer. Like I don't. I honestly don't even think we have them anymore. But like we're almost I coming search. up on ten years for, of that shit, guys. Just pull a Taylor and I like re put it out. Ten years. I think it has been ten. Oh, years. Has probably. It been 10 yeah, years? you're right. So, I think it has been. I have no idea. Well, it's high time, guys. I want to hear that remix. I'm going to just sell it to you as an NFT. I'll sell it to you for a dollar. Yeah, just we'll take out the middle line. Just give it to straight away. Just text it. Yeah, <laughs> great. So this is an interesting thing. And Alana, I want to ask you this. Like when music suddenly becomes and this, I, I love talking about this, especially people who are part of major labels for better, or for worse. We don't have to open up that box. OK, there's a lot of, ner- lot of this is, where's uh, a lot going? of good things to it. Well, I was going to say, you know, when you signed that proverbial contract with the metaphorical fat dude with the thing, which didn't exactly happen to you guys, but you did get a major label contract. Columbia is one of the most prestigious, like, of the top. Well, actually, Columbia came later. So what happened was, was so no, what happened was basically it was a funny thing. So, um, so after Danielle, what was the question though? What was the question? Well, thank you, Danielle. I I was going to say the question is, and then I want to hear how it kind of came to be. But the question is, once you become a contracted recording artist, right? You are no longer just a touring band. You are your nine to five job is to record music. And suddenly there's this shift in the way that you that your art is put out. It it changes from doing shit for fun with your sisters to we have to make this many albums in this many years and we have to show up to work and come hell or high water better have a fucking song. And and this can this ruins some people this is something that it weighs on right. a lot of artists because when commerce gets so you know uh injected into the output of art it's a really tough conflict and some people can do that dance a little better than others so i was going to say for you guys to have to now do this as a commercial sort of this is your job like was it something that you took to yeah or was it- i mean but the thing is is we actually are very like i mean we never really think of this as a job i mean i'm the luckiest girl on the planet that i that i even get to say that this is my job but i think the thing is is like we were really lucky we got signed out of the uk first which label was that that was polydor it was Polydor. Ah, I almost said Polydor. Name, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the UK versus US. Yeah, but yes. UK, UK yes. I'm going to bring it back US to that. Don't worry about we, it. Yeah. So we were very lucky that, I mean, no. when I say no one, I mean absolutely no one wanted to sign us in the US. We had done South by Southwest. We had done all these showcases. We had played all the shows. We had played a million shows. And all we heard was no. And so we eventually we had this EP called the Forever EP that we put out on our the Forever on EP, our, not the Days Are Gone. The for, yeah, Days Are Gone was later, but the Forever EP, which had um, Forever and Better Off, and we ended up putting it out on our website. Literally, just like HiImTheBand.com, and it was like the only thing you could see. It was like this, like you could download it for free. And because and I ended up leaking it a day early on accident. <sighs> As you yes, leaked it a day early. Us, of course yeah. she did. Um, but anyway, so we are better off. One of the songs on the EP got started, started to get played on the radio in the UK. And so we were like, what is going on? Like, that's crazy. It's Because being played on the Just US, I don't know if anyone knows. Any yeah, no, we had nothing. Or... We were nothing. We All we had was our guitars and our minds. That's all we had. <laughs> 
so we had heard that our song was being played on the radio and we like didn't really believe it but then all of a sudden like it kind of felt like there was something happening in the UK and we didn't really know but we kind of wanted to see for ourselves so we literally got on a plane I thought we were gonna you know just go there for like a couple like for like maybe a week and we played a couple shows in the UK and we didn't know at the time but all the people that were at the shows ended up being people from labels but we were just like we had no idea and then we were there i think for like two weeks and and after two weeks polydor came forth and the reason why we went with polydor was really because they were like we just want you to do what you do like we have no we don't want to like change you we want you to make music the way you want to make music and out of everyone that we met with they were the only people that said that and i will say to this day that they have stayed true to their word and we that's awesome take, we take our time making records i mean our second record we took our time and our, our first record we took our time i mean we love taking our time with records this one actually came out a lot faster than normal but maybe we're finally getting the hang of it but the thing is is like yeah. we really I mean, do it's, care it's we curve. care a lot about we care a lot about you know making our records and, and we love making records not just songs and our records, we want them to be an experience when you listen to them. We, we know we want it to be like from front to back. You can just put it on and keep it on. And our label, thankfully, Polydor was just like, great. And and I mean, we on our last record, especially with like Summer Girl, we had shot the video. We had made the song. We had finished it. And at the last second, we forgot that we have to show our label. Like we like literally forgot. We were like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, we have to tell people that this is happening. Because we were going to just, like, put it out. We didn't even... I mean, we were like, we we know how to upload something on YouTube. Like, we could do this. Like, it's fine. And finally, we were like, oh, shit, we should probably like, tell someone. And they were like, wait a second. They were like, okay. Like, just... Oh, this is happening. Like, it was like, this is happening. This is happening. Like, it's happening. And, and, and they were cool with it. About, Polydor. Polydor. Well, Columbia, too. But, like, the thing is, we were signed first to Polydor. So, like, we, um, we have, like, it's a... a they're kind of, like... Polydor is your first... Your main yeah, we're like yeah, yeah, they yeah, were I like the first people that really were like we love you and like we again like no one wanted to sign us and we were very close to just being like well I guess we're never gonna get signed because like we I ne- I had never even been to the UK before until that por- that point like not even like for like a family vacation SD included in that statement so I was just like I'm going to this place I've never wow, been here before and then experience. and then it, everything kind of happened super quickly and I was like and it did kind of feel like that thing you do or something like that where it was just like wait we're getting played on the radio like when they're running on the streets and like Liv Tyler's like licking a post-it like a, like you a guys post, had like that moment you guys heard your shit on yeah, the radio like, in we the were UK like, we were we had heard our stuff our had heard better off on the radio and we were like what, what? is going on like wow. I remember better off playing, do you remember what station it was on it was on was it um, XFM no, no not X, X, um Oh my God! Do you remember? Marion Hobbs. Marion Hobbs. It was, it was XFM. Right. It was XFM. 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 But it was one. Of, it was one of like the more alt-leaning stations, right? It wasn't like yeah. The, yeah. Like and it was yeah. a huge deal. No, no, and, no, no, and no. Still not to pop. this day, not pop at all. It was. It was like. Um. It was like a rock station, and like still God, to this better, day, I, I had mean, no like, idea. We, I I could have sworn it would have been like forever or or no. wire. No, it was better no. off. It was better off, and like that's why we like we we like are so indebted to the uk like we they gave us our first shit like we toured the uk after after this whole thing happened and we ended up signing our deal and then making days are gone we did nine uk european tours nine in a year 
Or wow. two years. In two years. Well, in two years, cover, we did not. You a lot of ground. The UK is, is not. Yeah, we just kept going land. around and around and around yeah. and around. And like, it was the best. I mean, the thing that's like being in a van, like those like early days of like being in a van, like just like not even understanding what the fuck is going on, but being like, this is actually happening. And like, we're touring. Like, what? Like, I was the best time. It's the best. Yeah, I'm still you the just best gave time. me goosebumps. I know that I know those days in a, a different version. Yeah. Right? And it still is not lost to me. I mean, like, we, like, I, we, I've heard forever on the radio on uh, Sirius XMU the other day. And I was like, this still fucking freaks me out. It's like, what? Like, we're on the radio? Like, it's just so weird. I mean, it's still I work weird. out to you guys. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, not even so consciously. Like, I just leave shit on, and then you come on. I mean, yeah. um, great workout music. But yeah, so like it really did. It was all. It was all by chance. There was no plan. We were really just flying by the seat of our pants and kind of just like following the wave and like where where the like the wind was taking us. We were kind but, of just but like that is the most around. ideal version because everything that you're telling me seems to come back to the universe letting you do you. And, yeah, and how that is being the the guiding light, like the less hands that are kind of meddling with what they think you could be or the things that you think you should do instead. There seems to be a, a pretty big lack of that. And the moment that you were allowed to just be you, I don't find any fucking coincidence is when the rocket ship took off. And that yeah. is so beautiful to me. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were a lot of people that told us, like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get right. you. I don't like you. Yeah, but a lot of people would say, guys... like, I don't get it either. Okay, tell you yeah. what, I'm going to start. I'm going to, I'm going to learn. I'm going to be in a, a different kind of band. I'm going to totally. Learn this and or like, that, we know? were just very, like, we knew, we like, I don't know why. I don't know how we had, like, we were just so laser focused. The second that we got to the UK, it was like, we were so laser focused on what we wanted. And we got a lot of people saying, like, still, like, it wasn't like this, like, you know, like, fairy tale like we still had people saying like you guys are never gonna do this like but i think at the time i think we were just so stoked to be playing yeah outside of the just to be playing in general but also like we're playing in london like this is fucking cool i've seen this in history books yeah like you guys speaking of history you guys know that i'm thinking of all the bands that i love that have you now share the same narrative i'm gonna go backwards from you Haim. Kings of Leon, mm-hmm. The Killers, yep. and most notably and famously, Jimi Hendrix. Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. Pe- oh, Petty was the same thing. Petty, because they the white love Americana. The White Stripes. Yeah. Stripes. The stripes. Strokes. Oh, I guess the Stripes. Was, I didn't realize the Strokes were the same. I always thought they were just New York oh, royalty we, since they were born. No, 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 no. <laughs> they were signed They were signed to um, Rough Trade first. Whoa. Which is a UK label. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's I know. I believe that. me. I mean, so, wow. And, okay. I mean, like to share that history is the a pretenders. Big, yeah, the pretenders. I'm sure there's so many more. There's I mean, so fine. many. There's so many. I'm gonna pause just for our listeners. What I'm talking about is there, and this will be full. This will be full circuit of what we were talking about when we started the, this ta- this conversation, which is there are a number of bands and artists that are American and have a very American sound. I'm using quote fingers, whatever the fuck that even means. Um, that for whatever reason don't really break through in the United States, depending on the, the era. Radio isn't happening. The label thing isn't happening. And I'll just use Jimmy as an example. Jimmy famously went to the UK during like, you know, the, were the, Brit, the Brits, the Brit invasion. He did the, the inverse of the Brit invasion. The Brit invasion happened in the kind of early mid 60s. And he left in the late 60s to go or I think probably around the same time to go play with 
just like a band and be Jimmy fucking Hendrix. <laughs> and he like took the fuck off there. And so he made, he, he kind of like gathered his ammunition there. And then when, by the time he came to the States, it was like what the Beatles did when they came to the States, like he had to go away to come home to have his own homecoming. Right. And that happened with a bunch of bands that just didn't quote work in the States. And for some reason, the UK just has an affinity for some, maybe it's the Americaniness of it, but there is some, something in the water, some algorithm that if any of us knew the answer to, we'd all be fucking crushing it in, well, in the UK. I, I also think that, that I think the UK as a whole, I think the people just in general are there. They have such a thirst for new music like they can't get enough of it. And I think they're just all around music lovers. I think that there's some of that in the States, but I think it's exponentially true in the UK. And that's also why I love it so much there because people just, they love, they love their music, you know? Really quick, see if you can answer this question. Danny, I know you got to go. Worst show you've ever played, go. Ooh. Worst show, oh my God, I fucked it. My thing went blonde and the, the, oh that morning I was God. blonde worst show ever I know what mine is fuck this is oh god I, I, I can't s- <sighs> no I'm trying to think my worst show well maybe my worst show was one night actually on tour with Julian and I was like I had never drank before a show because I don't know I just never did that I was like always very like you know I was like this is prof- I need to be professional I'm not gonna drink I'm not gonna like smoke weed before I like play I'm just gonna do that after because I don't know why I just was like I need to be a professional musician I'm this is a big deal yeah, you know I'm not a rock star I'm a musician no so I remember getting I remember one night it was like after like two months of touring, like maybe some of the band was drinking or something. I was like, I'm just going to get drunk. This is going to be fun. This is going to be an experiment. I forget where we were, but um, shit, does that kind of not, I like I, is it bad that I don't remember much. where, where it was? No, but, sure. it was, but, but anyway, I got pretty fucking drunk and I learned on stage that like, I cannot, I was playing like percussion and guitar. I could not play in time. Like I was <laughs> fucking up so bad. Like there was one part where I was doing like, I would do this like 16th note with the high with the thing? other drummer. No, 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 no. Like um, a kick where I had to do the off kick. So I was like, do, 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 do. But I was doing every off one. So like, Whoa. anyway, yeah, exactly. So I was like, dun, 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 dun. and I could not fuck it. Like I could, anything I played, I played like, a 16th note off like it was just like not i was i was so behind it's hard enough sober yeah you would think that being behind was good no because it's like funky but not when like the rest of the band it's like you're supposed to be like i was the percussionist i wasn't the drummer so i had to be following everyone so me like fucking up and being behind like was just awful and like did you have like a talking to because you got to learn that at some point like i guess i can't do that no i i didn't but like, I definitely was getting looks throughout the whole set. Like, what is going on? Like, s- stop fucking up, you know, by, <laughs> by the rest of the band. See, even Daniel. Yeah, I've never drank. I've never drank during a show. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe I should try again. I'm just like too nervous that, that I would fuck I it know. up. I know. We don't, we don't drink on tour. We're like very, we're like, we're definitely not rock stars like that. That's yeah. crazy. I drink like a fucking fish. <laughs> 
No, I've never had so like, a, like a bender tour, like because. But I'm always so after jealous. the show, never, never before a show. Oh, totally. I, I it's mean, always after. Yeah, every after time after the yeah, show, yeah, yeah. will do. Well, kind yeah, of. I don't want to get do. sick. I don't want to no, get sick, stage, so I, I like never yeah. on stage, like playing drums. Like I just can't. Right. And then when I had to pick up the guitar, I was like over, I was like really overthinking, like, am I playing the right thing? Like, it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess. Well, now I'm going to look for this show. If anybody recorded it, I'll just see how behind those 16s <laughs> I don't know where it was. Were. I don't know Maybe it was like subdivide. Maybe it was like some cool polyrhythmic shit and it ended up being really <laughs> exactly. cool. Maybe. There's just like a video that's called like Girl Fails yeah. on Julian Casablanca's <laughs> tour. <laughs> yeah. oh um, Dan, if you got to go, go for it. Sorry, Bye, guys. You. We'll do a part two. Yeah. I know. We're I'll here. I'll do a part two. I'll talk, talk about, about, we'll talk about what that thing Danielle does. Yes. Yeah. Which was apparently get fucked up once to not play, <laughs> you know, the 16th off beats. Go do your thing. Thank you for joining us, Danny. We're going to okay, finish this of off course. with your littlest Love sister. Love you. Have fun. Okay. Bye. 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 Well, you're the less fun sister is here. Worst show ever, you ever played. Worst show I ever played was on the sisters. Not that it wasn't like the show was bad. I honestly like the thing about playing live that I love is like when you fuck up, it's actually like makes the show more special but like i've never really had like a crazy fuck up on a show even though well because like i'm like a machine at this point like i have such a crazy um like my side of the stage i have like such a crazy what is it called like a station my station is crazy rig yeah yeah my rig is insane yeah there's a lot there's a there's now i'm adding congas to my rig it's like a whole thing but the i like like very much like specifically remember the last show of the Sister, Sister, Sister tour, when we were playing the drum, when we were playing the drum ending, I got so into it because it was like the last show and it was like the last time I was going to play this like drum ending that I like lunch. And also this was after months of touring and eating like pizza and, and tacos and shit. And we had these like PVC pants that we were wearing every night. I like hit the the drums so hard that my whole pants exploded like fully exploded in the back just ass out pants exploded and i was like holy shit and i I got off stage what do you mean exploded like like you shat yourself no no (laughs) no i didn't shat myself like they just like the seam just ripped and i just like the pants just like came on like i it was just like full down the middle pants never like never gonna be rehab just like split right down the middle split right down the middle and i was like fuck well and i was like you know what at least it was my last show are you you behind the rig so this was perhaps yeah no one could see it no one could see it and so then that's a shame then at the very end so then i was like so tired and i was like honestly like kind of like lamenting to my sisters like oh you guys like i exploded my pants like my pants don't fit anymore like I'm kind of feeling down about myself and like Essie and Danielle were like dude it's fine like don't worry about it like you're beautiful like being like the best sisters ever and I was like thanks guys and I sat down <laughs> on a couch and the front exploded like then the front <laughs> just the zipper the, the zipper here. just I split the, the zipper just split so then literally like these pants just like basically disintegrated off of me and I was just like I've never been more down on myself I, I know yeah. my pants like held on for the last yeah the last and I actually found a video 
of it on my phone the other day, which made me remind, which what, reminded what me of it. What was your face doing? No, it wasn't like it was just the aftermath. It was just like showing my pants just being oh. just Did it go, like uh, broken. Oh my pants! <laughs> <laughs> no, I was more just like I was more just like crying and and feeling really shitty about my my look. I mean, myself. if that's the worst, if that's the worst show you've ever played, you could do a lot worse. I mean, I'm sure there was. Splitting. I'm. Sh- I mean, I'm sure there. I fucked up so hard on shows, but the I was thing really hoping great, you'd I say that you, like you. You listen back and then your harmony sounding shit or even better, which I always feel bad for the band, is when you don't stick a landing at the end of a song, you know? That happens all the time. But the thing is, is like at the end of the day, like we're a band and like you're right. you're not supposed to be perfect. You're not supposed to be perfect. Like actually like it's hard to be perfect, you know, playing live and and we're not we're not perfect because we're a band and, and the thing is like imperfections kind of make make it what it is and it's not it's not bad to be imperfect. You do the best you can. I mean, we practice so hard. You could practice for, you know, millions and millions of hours and still, you know, hit a bum note and forget. forget. Yeah, there's sometimes where I look at my hands playing piano and they're just moving and I'm like, like, what "What am I doing? Yeah, 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 I totally know that. Is this? And then you you start thinking about it and you fuck it up. Yeah, and then I'm just like, I'm just going to let my hand, like they've they've done this a million times. I'm just going to let them kind of do their thing. But yeah, no, I love, I mean, the thing is, yeah, of course, there's always times where I hear myself and I'm like, Jesus Christ, Alana, like, get it together. But the thing is, it's like, there's always another show. So there, I'm sure there is like a really terrible show that I've ever played, but I don't mind. I just, I, because I go, I mean, it's a show and I go as hard as I can. I go as hard as I can every single show. There's not one show that I don't like leave a bucket of sweat on, on the stage. I can vouch for that as having seen, I've lost track how many times I've seen you guys play. (laughs) And I think that's pretty, pretty consistent. Thank you. You asked earlier, you thought you were going to talk about the other things you do. And we're talking about that thing you do. And I do we do, do a lot of things. Thing. And yes. touring and recording is a thing you do. So I do. it's not like we we didn't talk about the no, thing you do. No, and I love talking about this thing that I do. To be fair, this is that's how I sold this yeah. podcast to Danielle oh, and no. Alana. And, and I no, you didn't blew sell, it. No, 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 no. You didn't blow, blow anything. I was just like, I really had to think... And think to myself, like, what else do you do? <laughs> what is that you do here? Because I, mean, I Alana... don't do a lot other than playing music. Like, I honestly don't. Like, I don't have that many hobbies. I, I mean, I, I, of course, dabble in many things. I love being, you know, creative. But music is the main thing that I do. And I really had to, like, sit with myself and be like, what else do you do? You do a lot of other stuff, though, Lons. Yeah. I'm getting. Well, what 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 I had prepared? Yes. What is it that you do? Well, Alana? I have like a crazy irrational fear of cooking. Like I, and I'm not saying that because I'm lazy. Like I legitimately have like an irrational fear of like poisoning people with food that like I don't cook properly. So like cooking a meal is like a huge like endeavor for me. Like I, if, especially if I'm like cooking for my friends, like I'll call them like every hour and just be like have you thrown up like are you okay like was the chicken cooked enough so the fear is more based in the food product being subpar or even dare i say dangerous not so much the preparation it's not even like it's like cutting it your hand bad. chopping onions no oh no that i'm like game on like i'm i'm totally fine End product is your fear my yes. fear is like poisoning by accident salmonella like salmonella that's like my biggest fear is like my friends being like you poisoned me with your chicken dish 
that I came to eat because you told me to come over. And I and that's like my biggest fear. I'm sure there are psychologists that could bend this into it not being too dissimilar from making music. I mean, I'm you sure. do cook music for a living. And there are people that might, in your worst nightmares, go, it, it doesn't taste good. Yes. Uh, I mean, that happens every day. <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. So, so I that feel must that. be connected to that somewhere. But Maybe. yes, I don't know. Or me, I have no idea. I mean, I'm, I'm sure. I don't know idea where what it comes from. But basically, fear. I know. It's a very <laughs> crazy fear that I'm like, honestly, like getting over. Like I have to like actively like, like Postmates was the worst thing to ever happen to me because I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, my bank account is not stoked but my my fear is like fuck yeah keep going order because you don't want to yeah. poison people you don't people. have to worry about other people poisoning you it's yeah. just you poisoning I, then it's on people. it's not on me it's not on me if people get poisoned when i order food to be fair she hasn't done this to anyone i've never done it also so like that's also super weird like i've never anyways this is like a very long-winded story about why what i do do so basically because i have such a big fear about cooking i weirdly don't have a fear of baking like okay. baking, baking. <laughs> For those of Keep you that can't see, Darren is Darren is fully spiraling and confused. No, no, I want to. I want to understand this. I'm here to learn. Please, so- I understand. I understand. Basically, because for cooking, there's a lot of variables with cooking like like some people like just add a little salt and you're like well how much is a little salt like it's a I little, need... it's much more improvisatory baking yeah, is very it, precise yes baking I, is exactly. like if you yes. follow the recipe to a t you will come out with the right thing like a ver- a version of the right thing if it's like hard like if you're making like a croissant that shit's hard like don't get me wrong like, that shit takes skill but like baking a cake if you follow that recipe to a T, you're going to come out with a cake. I mean, you could fuck up on the heat. You could have an underproved That's thing true, or a raw I dough. Am, I am like so crazy about following directions and also like watching videos. Like I and like to the point where like my, you know, what what I do to like wind down, especially I mean, this was way before the pandemic too. Like I've, I've been baking since I was like a kid i just like loved the art of baking it was actually alana's job to bake the brownies after danielle and i would get high that's true that's true that is the truth i would i would be normal brownies danielle brown oh yeah we're normal brownies but i was they'd also just say will you make us brownies i was like fucking six or seven they'd be like will you make us brownies and i'd be like oh my god my sisters think i'm a good baker this is the best day of my life little did i know they were stoned but yeah so like i like I'm obsessed with baking and if you ever need that was that was what I prepared that was my spiel that was my type five about what I do that's the thing she does well I think it's safe to say that uh the things that you do are I don't know help me out ST I ran out of gas the thing well I will say this the things that my sisters do pretty much 99.9 percent of those things I'm aware of and I knew about so I didn't learn anything New, but that makes a lot of, but that's what I'm saying. It makes a lot of sense because I am, I've known these two lovely ladies my entire life. However, I love that Darren learned something new today. And I hope our listeners learned things as well. And and I also skimmed the surface on things that I know you've talked about a million times. uh, A lot of the kind of more fine details of those tours and people you played with and records and stuff. I highly encourage everybody to who aren't already fans of this podcast. If you don't know the discography of Haim, including that original EP that we mentioned a few times, definitely go check it out. That's the Forever EP, which would eventually turn into the studio Thank album. Thank you, Darren. 
Yes. Go listen to their music, you know? Go See why they got it, those uh, stream it. Those Brit Awards. See where it all came from. And you know, I do think this will be a we'll do a part two. I think so. There's gonna have to be a, a women in music part two, part two. Yeah, we'll do that thing I do in music part two. I don't know if that makes sense. But Yeah, that'll make sense if you're a Heim fan. If you're a Heim fan, hopefully maybe. everybody is now after having listened to this whole thing. Alana, thank you for your time and hanging out with us. And Darren. For, as, as the other young, I'm the youngest sibling as well, so I see you. I see you. I feel you. You have an incredible, I will say, you have a great podcast voice. Right? It's the sultry getting up on the microphone thing. I know. <laughs> and let me tell you, I'm in. I'm great. in for this podcast voice. Thank you for thank having you. me on your podcast, Thank you very guys. much. I really appreciate being here. Darren, how fun was that? I mean, that I think that we're nice. still we're still kind of getting our sea legs. We're trying we're figuring out this podcast I'm as we out how go. To interview more than one person because I'm also you also are part of the group Hyams. I so know. I, I was kind of neglecting you, but you're also a co-host, so I I didn't really know how to and who to. I did not feel neglected whatsoever. I was having a great time watching you talk to Danielle and Alana. Aren't they the best? They're the best. It's really fun just talking music with musicians who I really like. What can I say? (laughs) There's no other way around it. Like those questions were not prescribed questions. You know, this those were very much questions from. You know, like I, it, the smaller versions of you guys looking at Jenny Lewis is me looking at you guys because, you know, Aww, you guys have Darren. managed to pull off a lot of shit that is really inspiring. So it's cool to hear the way Thank you. you guys think about that stuff. And I meant when I said it's a cool thing. You guys are an anomaly. And I don't want to say a dying breed because I don't I don't want to believe that. But it is more rare to see bands that get on their way as being a band and then becoming recording artists as opposed to the other way around yes. not like there's a right or wrong way but there is no. still something magical about the former and that's and you guys have done that in spades so it's really cool to see how and why that works and the way that your sisters have responded to it in the way that, you know i wanted to get more into like the learning curve of of recording and writing songs but you know that's that's its own episode we can still talk about that we're gonna do a part two we have to yeah we'll, we'll get into that because it's a really interesting thing i think hopefully for our listeners to kind of see these sides of i said i mentioned this with touring i said 90 percent of the stuff that goes into touring is is stuff that you don't see but what i what that is actually attached to is this notion that i have of being an artist is i think people by the time you see and experience the thing that an artist is making you are really seeing only like 10% of what that artist has been putting into because most of the stuff yes. has been done behind the scenes, like the hustle, the recording, and then the tedium of writing and the frustration and the compromise and all the stuff. There's really so much going on. And a big chunk of that, if you're a recording artist, is like learning what it is to like capture music on a record, which is exactly. Easy. That's also something interesting we can get into maybe next week, maybe the week maybe after. Maybe next time. Maybe that we'll talk to other musicians away. about that. Yes, please. That'd be great. But I love you so much. Maybe next week love we'll ya. be in the same room. Maybe we will. I'm gonna, maybe I'm gonna, we will, I'm Darren. I'm going to manifest destiny. I'm going to kind of broadcast it to the universe and hope that it gets to happen. I love you so much. Love you. That was great. Thanks for getting the sisters on. And we'll 
See you next week, guys. See you next week. Love you all. That Thing I Do is a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. If you like the show, which I know you do, please be sure to like us, follow us, and leave a glowing review. Thank you for listening to our show. We'll see you next time. Bye.